P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Kyle, I know you've uh, you've been on many boats, haven't you? You've told me some crazy boat stories that you probably should not st- share on this podcast. But... Oh, what? The one cruise I've been on in my no, life? No, in Greece, too. That was a crazy boat. Oh, well, not much crazy. It was like once we were anchored and like on the shore... Well, the boat in this film is anchored. Not on shore, yeah. though. But yeah, I mean, like... Uh, the, I uh, So I was watching this movie, and I'm like, this is, Kyle, this is your dream, right? Yeah. Like, good music, 60s, on a boat, with mostly men, arguably, but the women come in and leave. Yeah, you know? arguably the greatest decade for music. Like, by all means, Queen is my favorite band of all time. Bowie, you know, like... Uh, but just, you know, that's the 70s. Uh... But, like, watching this movie, I'm just like, music was just... Because it was new, and it was so pure, and freaking rock and roll, and I'm just a bias, but I, like, pretty much hate everyone from our generation, and the... People, whatever, whatever the next family members. Whatever the next generation is, like, underneath... You know, I, it's, I always... There's such... I feel like generations now are, like, in increments of, like school years like <laughs> like a four four year term but it's again it's not just the music it's just this whole environment like this is just this movie is like I feel like of all the films we've seen like your paradise yeah Iggy Pop Amen let it run I'm a fucking idiot red meat we crave sustenance I'm an artist Hello, my name is Jimmy. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a pain thing. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up. Hey, Hoff fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast. Our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always talking about great movies. It's funny, that intro, um, obviously the line is from... Almost Famous, Almost yeah. Famous. And this this is kind of his return to the rock film. Great comparison piece, you know. Of, yes. We, we said, I think we said before, or I, I mean, I brought it up with, uh, what was the last political film that we covered of his? Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. And then he's the documentary, and then coming up in the future is Ides of March, and that's like his nice little... This is definitely... It's only two movies I can think of right now as far as the, you know, very heavy music, but I'm sure there's a... Yeah, there might be an, another one that could be a good... Comparison. One could say, and again, I don't know your feelings on this film, but one could say this is like the British poor man's almost famous in a way. But almost famous it has such a treasured place in so many people's hearts. Well, enough teasing. Mm-hmm. This film is in America, where we broadcast from, called Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio. But in the UK, called The Boat That Rocked. Or rocks? The boat that rocked or rocked? One of the two. <laughs> I probably rocked because... Yeah, in the past. It yeah. did happen in the past, like most films. But not all of them. Not aliens. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Pirate Radio... I, th- I like the name Pirate Radio because, I mean... No, you hear pirate, you get intrigued, right? That's a good <laughs> It was not a pirate film. I was disappointed. No. I expected a little swashbuckling, maybe Philip Zimmer Hoffman in like a three-pointed hat. Well, once they that. set sail, there was like that music that made it very like, you <laughs> know, like... fair. 
Um, so I, the only thing I can think of, this is a British film, mostly British cast. Yeah, directed by Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis, we'll get into him. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I can think of is that Pirate Radio, which I think is a great title, maybe that's not a term in the UK. It seemed like, I mean, at least the way they portrayed the government, the government was like saying things like, these guys are pirates, so... Oh, I know, but maybe yeah. that term, pirate radio. Yeah, I mean, well, what it says, radio rock, even on the boat. So it's just like, that could have been another title right there. Something that I've always enjoyed, because you, today you're wearing a New Jersey Devils t-shirt. Mm-hmm. You're New Jersey born and bred, Mr. And, Jersey. I indeed call I am. It's our only... Taylor Ham. It's our only team now. Taylor <laughs> Ham, North Jersey, pork roll, you... Heathens of the South. So Seton Hall, uh, they're the Pirates, and their college radio station is called Pirate Radio, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Like, I've always thought, damn it, Seton Hall. Because I went to St. John's, they're like rivals. Uh Um, Anyway, Pirate Radio, Kyle, let's get this out of the way. Tell us what this film's about, because I can't wait to talk about it. Because I have some strong opinions. Kept it nice and simple. All right, I gotta gotta stop you, because I promise the next time you said that, I gotta stop you. You've kept it nice and simple for the last, like, ten episodes. Don't pretend that's a concise thing. Laziness. I'm accusing you on the air of laziness. One of the deadly sins, we discussed this in doubt, and sloth. I, and I will embrace it. <laughs> no, it's just like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not... Brian and I have been friends for such a long time. We've collaborated on stuff. He knows that I am not one for, you know, pen to paper. Uh, <laughs> pen fing, to fi- paper. F- fing, finger to key. Um, and Quill in, in, to, yes, scroll. to scroll. <laughs> But but I like what what do you like do you want a DVD back cover do you want like I this could, is why I, I love this segment I know you guys probably don't care this is my favorite segment because I like to see Kyle struggle a little but bit it's not this. no but it's I'd not like it's see. not struggle per se you struggle just, personally like why am I doing this what am I here for <laughs> what am I doing with the rest of my life yeah it's actually you're spot on <laughs> spot a dick on anyway anyway. Uh, in the late 60s, and I said that for a reason because it's something I want to change about the movie, uh, rock and roll was not permitted on British airwaves, so DJs took to the seas to broadcast the music that defined a generation. Now see, I can say more than that, but what am I supposed to say? Carl, a young man, comes Carl. up... Comes up Carl, Carl. <laughs> yeah, we need Harriet. Every time there's a Carl, we need Harriet. Wendell. That's why I was telling you, we need to get a soundboard with only we, we TGIF. We need to hire an intern or something. <laughs> I don't think you hire interns. It's kind of a form of slavery, but whatever. Let's not... Adopt an intern? Yes, let's adopt an intern (laughs) from, like, Romania or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, ethnic, but still white. (laughs) Topical right now. Yes. Kyle does not really mean that. Well, no, but that's... I'm saying that that would be, like, we wouldn't get in trouble, because... We tease, we tease. Anyway. Albanian. You were going to say, you could say more. Yeah, I could say more. I could start But that's fine. No, no, no. I've said in the past, like, car, and then what do you... But there's there's so many, especially with this film, we have such a cast. And I want want to say this right now, is that I watched this movie, and then... Brian came over to record, and we wa- and he and he wasn't able to. You had certain problems or something that you couldn't watch. Uh, personal problems. No personal problems. No, he has a different phone now, and it couldn't cast onto like the TV. That no, kind of uh, stuff. okay. To be clear, and we like to tell you this: uh, where to see this film. This film is not available to rent on Amazon. It's not free anywhere. It is yeah. available to rent on Google uh, Play, Google Play, YouTube, and Fandango. Fandango yeah. 
Which I didn't even know you could rent movies on it. So I signed, tickets. I, yeah, I signed up for Fandango, which is great because I already had a Fandango account. So it's just like another way to build up points, I guess. It was like two bucks if you have, you know, belong to Fandango, then it's two two dollars versus the three ninety nine or whatever. So saved a dollar. Yeah, we can use that dollar later for. Yeah. So I literally. So I mean, I'm gonna say this. I I I love this film. I had said. And you'd seen it before. And I had seen it before. I really, really, really love this film. I'm not gonna say it's like a fantastic. It's just a film that I really love. And so I watched it, and then Brian came over, and then I. So I literally it was maybe like 20 minutes, and then I watched it again with him, and it was just really fun because I had taken my notes. So I'm just it, like, and we and we had the subtitles on even. So just the little moments of like British accents that like I missed a few things or I had my head down. I really like I took in this movie twice today and um, I'm ready you know rock and roll rock and roll last line of the movie a line of his from Joey Breaker which none of you saw we understand that maybe is Joey Breaker it is about like kind of that's that's the rock trilogy maybe yeah yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> if there had to be a trilogy, yes. Yeah. And I don't know. We haven't seen all of them yet, so we'll have to ask Amos what he thinks. <laughs> so yeah, so you you really enjoy this movie. You told me this. I had not seen it before. Yeah. Um, it is a problematic movie. It has that kind of reputation. Even from again any movie that has two titles in two different places, they're trying something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so we watched the American version because we are in the United States of America. Indeed, we are. <laughs> um, apparently, the British version—and yeah, this is a British film—is half an hour longer, and they did an American Ooh. cut. Um, so one of the biggest criticisms of this film is the length. I know Kyle, you're very, your guys are very comfortable talking about length. Yeah. Um, did you feel like it was too long, or? N- no, I um, just between the soundtrack and the brevity of the scenes in this movie, I think it has a good pacing to it. And so, no, I mean, but I, but on top of that, then it's just like it's catering to. This is a movie that's catering to a lot of things that I either enjoy in life or want in life. And so, um, I'm a. This is just like a sucker movie to me. Yeah, like I, like I said when we got here, this when I was watching this movie, even reading about it, even you telling me about it, I'm like, this is a Kyle film. Good music. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty Ma- pretty ladies. Male camaraderie. Male camaraderie. On a boat. These are all things you enjoy. Yeah. The, all things you enjoy. I practice maritime law on the side. <laughs> but, like, and I know you like this era, so I'm like, this is a Kyle film. It fills a niche for you. I saw it. I enjoyed it. I do find I do see what people are talking about. There are problems with this film. Mm-hmm. I I guess the biggest thing for me is like I love this premise. I just I oh I just wish I was yeah. playing again armchair producer mm-hmm. director. Yeah, I, I I think this film could have been so much. Yeah, better. that was the one we said when we were watching it. Let's try to keep you know the to talk you know talking about it for the episode and so you know we were refraining and just you know making little comments here and there but that was i agree with you that was something that you said that the potential is there for this this could be the you know british almost famous this could be of the great music movies of you know again almost famous high fidelity uh just those that because the soundtrack is there and yes, then there are you could, maybe maybe it's a perfect metaphor of kind of their carefree attitude towards this. As I said, I, I kept it uh, in in the uh, you know brief overview in the late '60s. 
this movie takes place and the you know in the opening credits says 1966 and at the end it says in 1967 pirate radio ended so clear cut 66 67 one year long okay and the soundtrack which is impeccable and has you know like um i if i already own pretty much all the music otherwise i would buy the soundtrack to this movie um they use songs and the biggest offenders of not being, uh, you know, from 1966 and before, songs like Jumping Jack Flash, Eleanor, and then especially Father and Son, which is, uh, you know, it's still Cat Stevens at the time. Cat Stevens, oh yeah, 100% Cat and Stevens. And Won't Get Fooled Again, 1971. So we're saying pretty much a you know, four-year gap since the movie ends in 1967. And, and Kyle, that's the inherent problem I have with this film. Um, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Just for the record, 61% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. It's not bad. By who? Uh, oh, so that's the critics. Uh-huh. 71% by the audience, which is, again, an enjoyable film. This was a fun film. I-, I loved watching it for the fun things, but we also have a an obligation to be critical, I think. Yeah. And this movie, to me, suffered... I don't know so much, but... Yeah, yeah tone, but also I wish it either went to more of documentary style where it was like doesn't have to be a hundred percent accurate but pretty accurate like the songs they the songs that that they were playing should have been the songs that we would be hearing on those exact years Mm -hmm. or i would have been totally okay and even preferred if it was more stylized this movie opens up where it tells you like you said the exact year that we're supposed to be in yeah Give me songs from that year, or just say the 60s at the beginning, and keep it stylized and fun. Some of my favorite moments in this film are the more stylized scenes. So I would have been totally okay with that. Yeah, I mean, they do a great job. Again, the music that that, that they play is all fantastic music. It's not like, oh, that song doesn't fit there. Yeah, they didn't just, put like a disco song in there. Yeah, like, just, what? It didn't yeah. take you out at and all. And like, you know, just, I mean, so when they, again, the the biggest offender of, uh, you know, year gap difference won't get fooled again. They use it as a, like in a cool part at the end and like water comes spouting out just when Roger Daltrey is, you know, the yeah! Like, you know, that craziness. So like, cool usage of it, but I'm sure there's Another song that you know, of course, that could have been used. That was you know before 1966. One of my favorite artists of all time, Stevie Wonder. No love in this. No love in this movie. No. <laughs> so, uh, but that's the thing. Like to me, pick pick one or the other. If it's more ambiguous at time, I don't care. But movies about music should be about music. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. should be more to the point when it comes to the music. Now I know some and we'll do a Cage Club reference here, but I know some people who criticize it, like, oh, well, this National Treasure, like, 100% historical? No. And that's what I said, but no one also thinks National Treasure is an amazing film. I do, but most people don't. Um, <laughs> John Turtletub, you're a <laughs> Speaking of directors, uh, this guy... Yeah, Richard Curtis. He's directed... Two of my favorite uh, British rom-coms. Another reason why I know you like this film. Notting Hill and Love Actually. I know which, you like you were in London recently, and you were super excited to be. I in took Notting a picture Hill. in front, of, yeah, in front of the Blue Door in Notting Hill. <laughs> I loved it. That's I. It's a that is a fun movie. Like when that's on, I watch that movie. It's just Julia Roberts, like still like in her prime, charming. Hugh Grant before is Julia Roberts out of her prime. 
<gasps> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I know what you're saying. We've discussed it. She I think. was like so like America's like sweetheart. Yeah, she had yeah the film. Yeah, the film. America's she had a streak where she was just on it. I think yeah. number one hits every every yeah. film she did. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, she was hey, she was in uh, Charlie Wilson's War. She was phenomenal. Amazing. And, um, and then yeah, it's but that was just like in that time, and you know her. I mean, my best friend's wedding and one of your favorites as well. Yeah, I love. I, Hey, Brian for Christmas got me, I mean, a couple of great gifts, but one of them was a book on, you know, rom-coms, so I'll never read it because I don't read books. <laughs> I know, I know. See, see, when you buy Kyle a book for Christmas, it, you know beautiful. you're buying it for, for the title and, yeah. the, and you know, what and, the first page looks like. Yeah, and an ornament. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like the idea. You know, yeah. It's the idea of the book. Well, that's what, actually the most, like, romantic thing I've ever heard for, like, books and that related to me was like anytime you buy a book uh it's just like not that it's like i'm going to read this but it's the idea of like i'm going to have the time to read this not that i don't have time (laughs) i was gonna say i I feel like you do have the time to read these things i I still thought it was romantic uh (laughs) no i hear you yeah so but but, yeah notting uh, notting hill and that's and that's what you get uh so debate uh so it's reese and we were thinking even though it's it funds it's evans i think so it seems like a welsh spelling if i had to guess the lizard from the amazing spider-man (laughs) <laughs> yes and the uh kicker from we've had keanu club movie or the pr- replacements the replacements yeah. we, we've also had an almost uh lizard from spider-man in one of philip's films yeah, yeah. D- dylan baker um so good segue kyle let's talk about this cast because there's, there's one thing i like about this film it's the cast i love this cast yeah it, it's an awesome cast. Now, of course, not not a lot of women in this cast, but that's understandable. They're on a boat. Yeah, so I mean, the boat has men. It's kind of like a submarine. Women are not allowed, and there's only one uh, character, Felicity, but she's a lesbian. Similar to Hollywood, right? Women yeah. not allowed in this sphere. Topical. We're just Topical. doing that yeah, today. Yeah, doing what we're that doing. today. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> poly top. <laughs> Okay. Get in poly top. Holly Paul top. (laughs) That's what we do. We're like professors here. Yeah. Professors of the Hoff. Anyway, tell me about this cast, starting with our guy, obviously. And he plays the Count. Philip Seymour Hoffman plays an awesome American DJ called the Count. Based on an actual DJ. Yes. Um, So so we should mention this. This is very important that none of these people are actual characters. This is classic historical fiction. Yes. So I mean, this movie does take obviously that in the artistic liberties of creating. You know, it's not. I mean, besides the fact that there were boats out there that you know were uh, you know pirated the waters and just broadcasted rock and roll. When I, again, I think it was one hour of rock and roll was permitted on British airwaves a day or something like that. But I love, and also, I mean, before again, before we get into the uh, the cast, how the just the cutting to the people enjoying that to me was like a really special thing about the film because that's what music, that's what music is. Music is the greatest. If anything. Because we're going to make it all political today, people. I'm kidding. But seriously, uh, if anything is going to create, like, just us stop destroying one another, world peace someday, it's just everyone just, like, enjoying a fucking song together. Music, and, the thing that'll create us stop destroying each other. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> no, 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 I know what you mean. Like, 
I, you're you're a film guy and you're a music guy. Oh yeah. This film is in your wheelhouse. I have it on my dating profiles. The top quote: uh, "That film is my wife and music is my mistress." So. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so we're now spending a little bit of time with your mistress, but your wife's involved. It's kind of weird. I'm really hoping, just as some of the men in this movie, uh, ladies will be listening to this and just fall in love with me and uh, write my name on a T-shirt. One day. Yeah. One day. <laughs> so Wilson Hoffman, our guy, plays uh, the Count, and he's based on a DJ called Emperor Roscoe. Ooh. That was his name, the Count Emperor, uh-huh. makes sense, who is an American DJ on uh, the British pirate radio station called Radio Caroline, which was the biggest of them, or like the most popular, or at least yes. what this film was mostly based on. But again, these are not supposed to be real people, they're not supposed to be real stories, which, which I'm okay with. Yeah. I, and that's the whole thing, there's multiple ships out there, but this story focuses on yeah. one ship. Yeah, and they acknowledge that here, yeah. it's not like they're trying to pretend that there's other, there's no other ships out there. Mm-hmm. And there, so again, this might, I, I, this was even cut from the British version uh, I read, so it's not even in the extra like half hour, but uh, my kind of arch nemesis, uh, especially, I mean, if I was famous at least, but I'm not famous. <laughs> You're not but, famous? What are you talking about? You have a podcast. Yeah, but... Uh, Don't Jam- say that to your fans. Ja- <laughs> uh, James uh, Corden was supposed oh, to be... I feel like we keep mentioning him. ...in this, and uh, he was supposed to play a disc jockey from a rival pirate radio. How long was this movie, movie supposed to be? It's a movie that like I'll, I'll three accept. or four hours. Yeah. There's like a Lord of the Rings Just style keep like it cut. Going. I would love to see the British cut because I would like to see if there's more Hoffman scenes. Supposedly there's some nudity, so uh, no, see that's the one thing that I was like this that's this film is missing. Yeah. Not enough nudity for you. No. If you have that, then you, this film is everything for you. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think he does great in this film. Oh, he's awesome. But I think the guy that has like the most swagger, and this again, this was something that like we said when watching it together, that it's just like he plays the Godfather to I guess the main character Carl. Yeah, at least it's Carl's story for the most. I like to say that the main character in films is the one that we're supposed to kind of like see things through. Mm -hmm. Some people might argue like, is Nick the main character of The Great Gatsby? I, I say yes, mm-hmm. but you know some people might say no. But he's our Nick Carraway. He's like our eyes into this world. Yeah. So well, uh, well so Carl is played by uh, Tom uh, Sturridge. Sturridge, but the guy you were but, teasing. Th- yeah, the guy I'm teasing is uh, the character of Quentin, played by Bill Nye, and we said it while watching it. Just like what a cool guy. Is he in Notting Hill? He is not, but he's in love. Actually, of course, of course, he's in love. Actually, and that's, that's what, what I was and about. that's what, like, he just has that Bowie Jagger, just like, and in love, actually, he plays an aged, you know, rock and roll, and plays. I think does a cover of a Kink song or something like that. Yeah, Kinks are used a lot in this, and again, that's a song that begins and ends the movie, and it's like from 1968 all day and all of the night. But anyway, uh, Bill Bill Knight, just like you see him, and a great thing about this film, the, the costumes of the era. Yeah, and beautiful he looking. Wears those suits. Is just so well, like he's so he, elegant. Yeah, he's so, but like, elegant in like a rough way. Like he, he I, yeah. I feel uh, just he's he's an awesome actor, and I, I almost love him in everything. He's also featured a lot in that uh, what's it called, the Shaun of the Dead universe. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the uh, oh the uh, which also has obviously Nick That's Frost a, in it, but the uh, Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, the Cornetto trilogy. So he's worked with Nick Frost before. Nick Frost, like you said, also in the film. Yeah, he plays Doctor Dave. He's another uh, DJ. Awesome, and uh, you know, not I'm not I'm not nearly as big as him, but I always appreciate a hefty guy that can get. <laughs> uh, and then I think just one of the most charming characters of the movie, uh, Simon, played by Chris O'Dowd. Uh, I love I love Chris O'Dowd. He's another good actor. Yeah, he's just like a, especially. I mean, he has a a very like you know like a, a heartbreak you know emotional scene in this movie, and he's just like a like a puppy dog. Yeah, that Irish accent. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Angus played by another Reese, but Reese Darby, who uh, Reese Darby, Flight of the Concords. Yes, and Murray. I love Reese Darby. A good, a good Kiwi. <laughs> I'm a big Flight of the Concords guy, so seeing Reese Darby in anything makes me very happy. Uh, this, this is awesome. This is around when Flight of the Concords is like being filmed. Yeah. So, so uh, he's hilarious in this movie. He, he is a funny His guy. Awkward comedic timing is just like par none. He's just awkward. The New Zealanders have to seem to have this awkward New Zealand just, kind, kind well, of like, timing, right? Yeah, just like very. Uh, I love. I mean, so I mean, just the, the most. I feel like. You know, like, yeah, Kiwis have just been coming more and more into, like, the, uh, like, film culture. Like American mainstream film culture. Yeah, exactly. And so the re- most recent being that, you know, Thor Ragnarok was uh, directed by Taika Waititi, uh, who, I mean, we I think we said it on, like, the last episode. Uh, we brought him up recently, and... Uh, He's just an amazing uh, New Zealand filmmaker, which uh, Reese Darby was in his uh, What We Do in the Shadows uh, vampire mockumentary. He plays a werewolf in it. He's oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, but Is he yeah. going to make an American version? I think so. Why? I don't know. You know, the New Zealand version's great. Which, I mean, in a music realm, you know how like it's always like Beatles or Stones? Like Those are always like you know questions yeah. out there. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I know your answer, but I think it would be like a good uh, Fly of the Concord or uh, Tenacious D. You know, I'm a Fly of the Concords guy. I know you're a Tenacious D guy. Yeah. I don't like to pick these things apart. Yeah. I love parody music. Yeah. So much. Grew up on the Weird Al, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then after, let's see, who's next? We've got, oh, Kenneth Branagh. He plays Sir Alistair Darmody. They've um, never been in a film together. I looked that up because Kenneth Branagh seems like a guy who would work with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'd been on the stage together. They're both fa- one, famously yeah. do a lot of Shakespeare on the stage, so that that's interesting. I recently, by the way, just not to shameless plug, but uh, I recently was on a podcast on the Cage Club Network. Uh, watched the how are we pronouncing it? I guess watched the Theron, but oh. it's Charlize Theron. Yes. Yeah, Theron. But, yeah. but watch the Theron li- podcast. Yeah, Artistic Liberties. Yes, with uh, Charlize Theron. I was a guest on that podcast for Celebrity. A not so great Woody Allen film, but the star is Kenneth Branagh as the Woody Allen character. I don't like that choice. He was it. not a great Woody Allen no. character, I'll be honest. And you did not like his work on Thor? Or did you? Or <laughs> just I mean, kidding. he was a director. Yeah, I'm just it's joking. A, yeah. No, 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 but Kenneth Branagh, uh, I, check that out on cageclub.me. Um, I like to guest star on things. Kyle, you also guest starred on uh, something that'll be out the same. Uh, yeah, my, actually, I think it'll be out by the time this episode. Uh, the same week the same as week, th- yeah. as this episode. I mean, you might as well plug that now. Why not? Yeah, uh, the uh, 1998 Disney classic live action, uh, Mighty Joe Young. 
Mighty Joe Young. So Kyle and I were on back-to-back watch the Throne episodes. Yeah. So I didn't have to share my episode, though. I got all the Joey Lewandowski and Mike Manzi to myself. Yes, Joey and Mike, who you've heard here on this podcast, do that great one. So listen to that one. But anyway, Kenneth Branagh in this film as well. Yes. And then we've got the character of Gavin, played by Reese Ithens. Oh, no, we said that already. Evans, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Eleanor, played by January Jones. And Charlotte, played by Emma Thompson. As far as, uh, you know, those are the... Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's a big cast. It's a big, big cast. So lot, lot of characters, a lot of characters. The Kevin, what a great character. The Kevin, yes. <laughs> uh, and I said the character of Felicity. We've got the, oh, I guess we'll say Marianne because, as you pointed out, she's... Uh, uh, oh, Tallulah Riley, Tallulah yeah. Tallulah Riley, she's in Westworld now, and she's like the the concierge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess. But apparently she has a really big part in season two, or that's yeah. at least what it seems like. She's in six of the ten episodes, so that's pretty big for Westworld. Cool. So she's cool. She has, she's a nice like look about her, and I, I do like her she's acting. She's gorgeous. She's so charming. <laughs> she's just everything. She She's the love interest of the character Carl. Oh, did we even say Carl? Yeah, yeah we said Carl. Because Carl. Carl. <laughs> uh, and she's just... I'm not a big fan of bangs. She rocks bangs. Really Jesus. <laughs> We're learning so much about you throughout the... I feel like... I'm an open book. I feel That's like the Hoff fans, to... by the end of this, yeah. will be able to build the perfect woman for you. Thank like you. Like a weird science kind of way. I'm not asking for, you know, I mean, the perfect woman for me, but that's not a, you know, there's no such thing as perfect, so... No, there's no such thing as perfect, but there's perfect yeah. for you. Everyone deserves the perfect person for themselves. We can do a podcast about that. I almost said like. that in very like Phillips because uh, I like I'm just seeing myself on the audio waves and it's like low for some reason. Brian's is always you know he's got a deeper voice, but it's uh, more it, boom, booming, I guess. I I think I have deeper undertones. Yeah, you know, and that that it usually takes from the undertones. Regardless, yeah. Okay, so let's get into this one, Pirate Radio. Pirate Radio. So this movie, kind of the inciting incident, is Carl. Um, we don't see his mother yet. Yeah, but it's—I mean, yeah, like we said, the the character that we're like living this through is Carl, and he arrives on the you know uh, radio rock boat, and his godfather Quentin, played by Bill Nye, you know, takes him in. But he's like, "Have we even never met before?" And we just get this, uh, just the charm of him, and we learn that he and you know Carl's mom were really good friends, and he thinks that she's a very sexy lady. Yeah, yeah. So Carl basically is—I think—he got expelled from school. Yes. For smoking cigarettes and drugs. Yes, cigarettes and drugs. <laughs> and um, so he—he's on this boat, and you can like from scene one, you can tell that his mom isn't the most like responsible responsible person because like she knows yeah. what this boat's about yeah she's like oh go live with your god your yeah. godfather yeah. and Quentin's even just like oh she's made a terrible yeah. mistake <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's just uh, I mean a great even I mean before that well actually to open the movie we do get to see our main man and he's oh yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah we should discuss that yeah which is just I mean it's just a great intro I think because uh, we this is like this little boy says good night to his parents goes up to bed takes out this little hand radio puts it underneath his pillow to muffle it a bit and we get to see the count this is what where we're at this is the music you're listening to like I'm always gonna be there for you just like a really cool so he's a critic and almost famous and now he's like you know the cool the yeah, disc jockey an actual this. DJ uh, 
it's it's to me it's it's obvious why Philip Seymour Hoffman took this role. It, it, just imagine how fun this must have been to film. Yeah, was well, he seasick or something? And uh, the thing I think this film does really well is it gives a fair, and maybe that's why it's longer. Especially the British version is a long, like two and a half hours or whatever. Is that it divvies up the time pretty well between all of our characters? They each get you know a fun like little memorable scene or just some really great lines and then even have a nice arc at the end and that's i mean this for such a large cast that's a pretty you know yeah big accomplishment. i do have some issues with that and that's why i mean we'll get into carl right now like so it's it's really his story um there were times where during the Carl story where like I just didn't like feel it or care. Mm-hmm. The characters around him were way more interesting than he was, and I also didn't really buy into him much. Towards the end, yes, but there were a little bit of lulls. Um, I think in his arc. Yeah, I mean, the, the the other characters are so like larger than life that I agree in that sense. But in the moments like so when he. I mean, you know, his bi- his t- it's, well, his two biggest things are that he doesn't know, you know, you never knew his father, and then Thick Kevin brings up at you know some point like, I think your mom put you on this boat because she uh, wants you to meet your father, and this, your father's on this boat, so he thinks this is his godfather, yeah. Quentin, for a while. Yeah, and uh, so when first I watched this film and I see him meet Quentin, and before that line was even uttered, I'm like, is this dude his father? Because that's what it seems like it would go yeah. by. But once um, Thick Kevin says, like, oh, I think Quentin's your father, I'm like, could it really be this obvious? And it turns out that it wasn't. No. Something that people did criticize of this film was that it's predictability. I don't know if I see that so much. Because all, all, people also said it was slow. How could something be slow? Confu- oh, sorry. People said it was confusing, too. Okay. So how could something be confusing and predictable? Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> at a slow pace for you to like be questioning it and like have the time. I, I, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of predictable movies out there, but that's not this movie. You know, movies are driven by either uh, plot, characters, or dialogue. And to me, this is a character-driven film. So I'm not. You know, it's not the plot that. Um, I mean, it's actually this is like more music and song driven than anything. <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah, characters, dialogue, or Tarantino movies are a combo of like characters, but he's very dialogue driven. I mean, this is, not, but this is not. This is clearly not a plot driven movie. No. So I, I mean, yes, because I because I love it, I'll come movie. to its de- defense. But I, I don't know. Like I'm just like. Uh, I'm not worried about the plot. I'm just like, oh, what fun scene and what like fun little scenario can our colorful characters get into next? Fair. And you mentioned these characters, these colorful characters. What do you think of Philip Seymour Hoffman after starring in so many of these films? And Charlie Wilson's War, yeah, was an ensemble, but a smaller ensemble. Mm-hmm. Going back to kind of a, an ensemble role like this. I think it was just like kind of a fun getaway for him, and he, uh, he just seemed to be... It's There's so many great little moments, like in the wedding scene, that, you know, because they have... Like it's again really fast, brief scenes. But since it's an ensemble, you just see the people in the background, and he just seems to be genuinely enjoying himself, and just always has like a smile on his face. And it's like when it when a character says something that's meant to be funny in the movie, like as themselves, like 
his chuckle even just seems that of real. Like he's just enjoying it and yeah. thinks and thinks that Nick Frost thinks that uh, uh, you know. Uh, if it, or Reese uh, Evans, no, not Reese. The other Reese, yeah, Reese Darby, yeah, Reese Darby. <laughs> like that, they're just funny people, and he's just enjoying himself. <laughs> and we've seen that he's got he's got great comedic timing. He's not particularly. He's got some funny, a couple of funny lines in this movie. My two favorite being that when there's like the I forget what they call the Saturday when all the l- ladies are allowed since ladies aren't allowed on the boat or whatever, but each guy from the boat is allowed to invite a female companion, and he's actually with two, and he says to them, uh, "Is it okay if I call you b- uh, both by the same name? Twins can be pretty confusing." And then, <laughs> and then when he gets into the uh, chicken contest of climbing the mast uh, with uh, Reese Evans, uh, <laughs> he yeah, even, and I do want to talk about that. Too. Yeah, but I love that he just goes like. Wait, wait, what exactly did he say? He says, why am I so fucking fat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I think, like, when he was just even, like, climbing that, you know, like, and doing that, like, you know, obviously it was, like, green screened or whatever, but when he's just, like, on a very narrow thing and shimmying along, I think that was just something he probably did a little improv. Yeah. With. No, it seems very natural. Yeah. And so, again, we'll talk about that Which scene. is, again, so that's, and that's the, to, to all the winded, the long-winded answer I just gave you. It just seemed like a natural, he just was, for, you know, like, he is acting, obviously, but it was just a natural, like, setting and enjoying space. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, seem, it seems really in his wheelhouse. So Carl, as you were saying, two big things are that he doesn't um, know his father, and that he hasn't lost his virginity. Tragic. Very almost famous, too, now that I say that. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a <laughs> good funny. point. Carl is our... Uh, why am I blanking on this guy? The character's name now. Whatever. Carl's the kid from Almost Famous. <laughs> but so, so one of the big scenes I do... Um, want to talk about that's not Phillips and Ruffin related before we really dive more into the Hoffman thing is um, Nick, well Nick Frost is hilarious in this film yes he's just so there's that weird scene where Nick Frost is, is saying that he's trying to get Carl like laid he's trying to pull the old switcheroo which is technically rape yes um, it was not, also in a we, in don't, a, we, we don't condone obviously. but it was done also in a classic comedy Revenge of the Nerds and that That's, makes it okay no that does not make it okay every two uh, Sundays or Saturdays Saturdays yeah, yeah. They, they, um, you're allowed one woman if you can yeah. if you know one you know you're allowed one woman to come on board so uh, Nick Frost's character the doctor um, he has a woman come on board who's a fan, and he says he's going to get Carl like laid, I guess. Yes. And they're trying to pull a switcheroo, but this the guy who plays Carl is very skinny. Yeah. And Nick Frost is a large fellow. It was she said she says ch- chunky, chunky or beefy or thick or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so they he says he's going to like switch. And he shuts all the lights off, and you know, long story short, he sends Carl in and turns the lights on anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like a funny little moment. Um, and then Carl eventually does lose his virginity, but not after. <laughs> like, so this is one. This is one of the things that made me laugh. If it didn't have that final punchline scene where she comes back, or mm-hmm. not, it's not the, her final scene, but one of her, her later scenes. Yeah. I would be upset. Um, and and you said the actress's name. She's from uh, Westworld. I recognized her face right away. 
Um, yeah, Tallulah. Tallulah. Yeah, Tallulah Riley. And she plays uh, Marianne. Marianne, which is a Bill Nye's character, Quentin's niece. Niece. Yes. She comes on board. By the way, so if he thinks Quentin's his father, isn't it weird that he almost slept with the niece? Thank God Quentin ends up not being his father. Yeah. <laughs> Could be like an unrelated niece, but you might want to check that yeah, that's before that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> Quentin's niece comes aboard, Marianne. He's all set to, you know, sleep with her. He's like he says he's in love with her. Yeah, Quentin's playing Cupid. He borrows yeah, he borrows a uh, condom from Nick Frost's character, the doctor. Yes. He tosses it overboard because she finds out she's like a little offended well yeah because uh dr dave comes in and plays a good old cb good old cock block and is hitting on uh tulula i mean on marianne on marianne (laughs) and uh and then says like oh i can see why you asked me for the condom and she reasonably so gets you know he knows what he's doing we'll put it that way yeah exactly he's being a cock block (laughs) for some you know reason he loses. He, loses, he throws the condom away because it just doesn't like to that. profess to profess to show well. her. And yeah. then she's like, "Oh, I would sleep with you." I, you know, it's a terrible like little valley girl, valley British girl, girl. <laughs> whatever. He, she's like, "Oh, I would sleep with you." So he goes looking around for a condom. He goes to um, a character we haven't really introduced yet. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Gavin. Gavin's con- uh, Gavin gives him a condom, but by the time he goes down, Marianne is with the doctor in bed. Yeah. Wah, wah. Nick Frost shows it shows everything except for you know cupping his package. Yeah, so. yeah, basically he, he, full body shots except for again the, yeah. the penis. Not much nudity in this film, so understandable. No. Maybe in the R cut you see a little Nick Frost dong. I think this is an art. Is it? Look. Oh yeah, they say they say fuck a lot. Yeah, which is comes a big uh, thing, and we'll we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. So just to tie this virginity storyline apart, eventually she feels bad. Um, yeah, she she leaves after that, but then uh, it's actually um, the Count and Carl are on like the deck, and then all of a sudden they see a boat coming, and it's Marianne coming back, and she wants to see Carl. Carl, perfect, boom, love, whatever. Because I kind of want to get over the Carl things. Mm-hmm. He, not that I don't like him, but he's similar to like Carl on The Walking Dead, where he's just like... <laughs> I really don't care. Maybe it's this character's named Carl. <laughs> Maybe that's why. He kind of looks like Carl in The Walking Dead, too. I know Carl's like a child, but, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I think Pal and a brunette. <laughs> so that's the whole virginity thing. But that we'll talk about that later, because that's a pivotal Hoffman scene that has to do with that. But I think the first great Hoffman scene in this film is um, the one with the F word. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? That that scene, I love that scene. So he's one of the DJs, but he's clearly one of the more revered DJs. I would say he's like, till this point, the flagship DJ mm-hmm. on their pirate boat radio station that broadcasts. Yeah, he's the hit. It's it's him and uh, what is that like M- Midnight uh, Mike? Midnight Mike is the one that the ladies like, but that's because they listen, you know. Yeah, but he's just like he's the star. Like he just knows everything about the music. Uh, the count and until gavin and that's like they're a little th- he and gavin have some rivalry yeah but before gavin appears mm-hmm. we have this great do we have a clip of that one because that'd be a great one to- yeah no we'll play that clip it's it's just a it's these guys get mail and their fans request certain things and so uh 
you get to hear uh, the Count say how someone has sent in asking for him to say fuck for the first time <laughs> on British Airways. The F word, yes. The F so word. let's play that clip. You sent in ideas in their millions, but one idea has defeated them all. So I'm proud to announce I will soon be the first person to say the F word on rock and roll radio in the United Kingdom of Great Britain. Oh. All right, my aim is not to offend, it is to entertain but also perhaps to educate a little. Because if you shoot a bullet, someone dies. When you drop a bomb, many die. If you hit a woman, love dies. But if you say the F word, nothing actually happens. So here it comes, especially for you, the F word. First, though, this uh, very fine piece of music. You can't do this. Why not? It's just a word. Charming thought, but here's the simple situation. The authorities already dislike us. If you do this, they will hate us, and by hook or by crook, they'll find a way to close us down. Yeah, they can't close us down. We're pirates. That's why we're sitting out here in the middle of the friggin' ocean. Believe me, they will find a way. Governments loathe people being free. Come on, Dave. Okay. Okay, I'm thinking about it. Okay. My dear comrades, I have some sad news. The powers that be have decreed that the F word is a word too far. But at least for now, even though our dreams of freedom have died a tragic death, the Hollies are still alive. Thank you. I don't know why he did that. I was just going to say fuck once. You know, one tiny little fuck. There's no such thing as a tiny little fuck. Yeah, there is. You should ask Angus's girlfriend. (laughs) Be that as it may, there's no fuck so small it won't fuck us up. One day, in a world of dreams, you'll be able to say wank or bollocks or even cock on the radio, but fuck. Excuse me, for Lord's sake. Yes, Errol. You've left your mic up in the studio. Oh! (laughs) 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 So I am. <laughs> For the four, or was it five? It was five. F-words, Quinn. Uh, the Hollies will continue undisturbed. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry about that, Quinn. But, you know, I thought you sounded good. You have a lovely voice for radio. <laughs> that makes it six, Quinn. It, it couldn't have turned out better, in my opinion. See, that's like the comedic like timing between him and Bill Nye is just fantastic there. So Bill Nye, Quentin, he's the producer, we'll we'll say, of the of the show, of the rock radio. Seems to own even the boat. Even I the assume, boat, like yeah. Because he, he does perform a wedding ceremony, which we'll talk about oh, yes. as the captain. So the he, captain. he's at very least the captain. He's the captain. I don't think he drives the boat. We don't really see who does that. But. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that's just... That's just a fun scene where then he, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, well, the, the Count does a fun thing of turning the mic and leaving it on, and so then it's actually the man, uh, Qu- Quentin, who doesn't want him to say the F word, ends up saying it uh, four times and says, you know, all those other delightful curse words and even to the British vernacular. <laughs> Cock. So our man Hoffman is the guy who brings like the vulgarity, you know. Yeah. That badassness. Yeah, even uh, 
Simon says when he, when Simon's excited about himself getting married, he's like, "If I was the count right now, I'd be saying the the f word." <laughs> like, that's just he uh, he likes it. This is a movie of now that we talk about it, this is a movie of vignettes more than it is like just mm-hmm. a consistent plot. That's why we can't go everything one by one. Um, so you mentioned uh, Simon getting married. Yeah. That's another like good arc. So Simon is one of the people who doesn't get uh, a delivery of women, for the for the lack of a better word. Yeah, it's like him, Felicity, who's our uh, lesbian cook, and then uh, John, our weather and news gentleman, and uh, Angus. Like it's the, That's like kind of, I know, along with Carl, that's like our lonely heart. And Angus is, the, uh, is who? Is, Angus is the Reese Darby. Oh, Reese Darby. Reese Darby doesn't have a girl in that scene? Oh, wait, no, he does. He does, he yeah. Does, it's, yeah. Ju- it's just the so news it's, guy. It's the news guy, yeah. Um, oh, the cook. The cook. And, uh, oh, Thick Kevin, that's who. Yeah. Thick Kevin. Oh, Thick yeah. Kevin also does not. So uh, he's like, oh, I'm waiting for my one true love. He's like a romantic. He's not into the wild, crazy times of yeah. the 60s. So we get the, and I was a little confused at first, but then it made sense. You you were with me here, and you were like, wait for it. Yeah. I'm like, he gets like, oh, I'm getting married. I'm like, we haven't even seen a person, yeah. you know? And a woman essentially, well, they're, they're prepping for this wedding. Yeah. Um, they have a stag, Philip Hoffman. There's only one word I'm thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Simon's like mat- mat- matrimony <laughs> stag. I you know what? And I know you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. But stag party is such a better term than bachelor party for me. Well, stag, uh, yeah. I and the women have hen parties. Hen parties. That's hen so parties. much. I got to party with this hen party <laughs> in Iceland. <laughs> this Welsh hen party. Hen party. Oh, I showed you some nice stuff. Welsh from, I showed you some pictures from that hen party. Oh, and now I remember. Yeah. It not got, very. Not G-rated. We'll put it that way. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I looked at it and said, this is wrong, Kyle. You need to commit yourself to a lady. This is wrong. That was my reaction when I saw it, for the record. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hen parties, I endorse them. And stag parties. And stag parties. Wouldn't you, you know what, Kyle? When I do take the knot, uh, take the knot, Uh, sorry. (laughs) Tie the knot? (laughs) You know what, Kyle? When I do get engaged one day, if anyone involved in planning my bachelor party... Says anything? Yeah. No. You're going to be like, this is a stag party. Yeah. If it's like a Facebook invite or something. I want to see a comment retroactively. Cause I'll make it t-shirts. <laughs> Brian's stag party. Yeah. I have like a deer. Yeah. That's fucking cool. This is you with antlers. Like, <laughs> ripping, ripping a shirt. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Regardless. So uh, we should mention, though, uh, I totally forgot that pivotal. Uh, we, we teased it before. Um, uh, we get a new character who comes in. Yes. And... If it's if Quentin, you know, clearly again, kind of, I think wins as far as the coolness and just like the swagger. But then Gavin, played by Reese Evans, Reese Evans, like his intro, all the intros are just like intros are great in in this movie. And he's wearing this, he's kind of dressed like a pimp. It's like an all purple suit. He's got (laughs) like nice like pheasant feathers in his hat, (laughs) and you know, just he's just. Cool. Yeah. So he plays not Notting Hill. Reese Evans. He plays a former DJ um, for the station. Apparently went to America and now is back. Um, So I inferred that Philip Seymour Hoffman's character replaced him because they hadn't really met before this. Yeah. And he's back on the station. He was the like top dog, 
as opposed to Filter and Hoffman being the top dog. So there's like a, br- a brewing rivalry there. Yeah, everyone's really excited when Quentin makes the announcement, and that's also, he's coming back because this whole time the government's trying to figure out a way to get yeah. rid of Pirate Radio, because it's not illegal. I want to get into the government angle, yeah. definitely, but let's let's talk about this wedding. Yeah, uh, well, <coughs> great use of the song Eleanor by the Turtles, which unfortunately... Because her name is Eleanor, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, she's she's great in this as Eleanor. Uh, she comes on that boat with those two bridesmaids and the, mm-hmm. the music. We, we we could say this: the music editing in this, and as well it should be, is very good. Like the way they cut it to the music. Yeah. And so I mean, she and Simon are you know they tie in the knot, and Quentin's marrying them, and Quentin even I mean it's even on the air, right? Like they're, yeah. they're broadcasting. Oh yeah, that's I love that Angus is just like <laughs> getting a little play by play, and he's like, and you can even hear Cupid fluttering by. And he's like, ah, ah. He's like, oh wait, wait a minute, that was a seagull. Like, it's just like that. Uh. It's 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 good because you said like these cutaways are great, and it shows that like there are people on the British mainland or the the you know the island of britain <laughs> yes who are very invested in these people as people not just as like djs or the music it's one of those fun moments that it's not as uh in depth because like, i mean they they t- tend to keep the shots like a little wider but you see like the same people throughout the movie like there's even there's one woman that like always listens to the radio while she's like on the toilet there's like schoolgirls. there's a guy that's like a you know clerk at like a grocery store it's similar to armageddon Right. No, like movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, movies. I think that are like that are uh, like even like Major League. They show like you know the Major the fan, League the fans. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, you know Armageddon. It's like the whole like uh, whenever it's like the TV broadcast, it shows like the same people generally. I just saw that recently, and I'm trying to think. It, it's silly stuff. Well, that's not okay. a big part of that movie, so <laughs> it's okay. No, but they they do that from time to time. Yeah, in like, films, and I like and, it. And like Truman Show. Truman Show. Oh, that's a good. That's a very good example yeah. of that. Like the guy in the tub. That's all. Yeah. Because <laughs> that becomes a big part. Because everyone's also very excited. The same thing with Major League when they when they win the the pennant. Yeah, and they're very excited here, and the, those yeah. people end up saving things. But we'll get into that. Yeah. So we have this wedding. It's a beautiful wedding, and I'm like, okay, I don't know why this lady's here but i'm really happy yeah uh... Boom. <laughs> wedding night our little naive irishman yeah poor poor simon 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 is uh <sighs> is just crushed by uh january jones's character yeah, uh, by eleanor 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 basically tells him yeah i just married you because i met um gavin gavin and I'm in love with him, but he wouldn't allow me on the boat unless we were married, and he wouldn't be about that. So, so I mar- essentially I married someone else so I can sleep with him. Yeah. Gavin kicks her off the boat, of course. You mean Simon? Sorry. Simon kicks her off the boat, of course, but not before sleeping with her. Yeah. <laughs> but every- and so everyone confronts him, and our main man uh, is, you know, really kind of ticked off by this because he already is uh, competitive with Gavin. You get a sense here that the Count is waiting for something to be pissed at Gavin about. Mm -hmm. Not that he doesn't care, but he's waiting for something to be pissed about. And this, the following scenes, the confrontation, yes, but the scene after is one of my favorite scenes. My first question is, though, why Philip Seymour Hoffman, why the Count, if you're going to challenge someone on something, and chicken, whatever, chicken, why... The way you look, I know. I know he's a very athletic guy. Sure, but challenge someone in a climbing contest, like a taller, lanky guy. Yeah, like a guy like that. Yeah. You know? 
a wiry Welshman. <laughs> As opposed to in uh, Notting Hill, he was a masturbating Welshman. <laughs> As said by Hugh, said by Hugh Grant. It's said by Hugh Grant. Yes. <laughs> he should be in this film. He'd be. He'd be. He would. I can see Hugh Grant. Like, oh, yeah. I, I've lost something. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Oh, Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> so uh, he challenges to him to chicken. Which cl- is climbing the mast of this tall ship. Yes. And I know it was it, the radio tower. You it's the radio right? tower. Yeah, yeah, so it's taller. You're right. And I know it's like CGI and like green screen or whatever. But it's it. These well, are some I, of the, I never do well with hi- like seeing people. Like, yeah. Movies, yeah. These are some of the best like shots, quote unquote, of the film because you're like, oh my god, it looks so scary. They're climbing this. They're climbing this. <laughs> they finally climb to the top. Ed, you know Hoffman is losing this one. Yeah. And Gavin gets to the top first. Followed by the count, and you think it's gonna like tie there, and Gavin goes to the end of the f- fucking mast. Yeah, the like uh, you know the horizontal <laughs> poles that go off. And th- this is like the brilliance of Elizabeth Hoffman. Yeah. You see his fear. His fear becomes our fear. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. He walks to the end too. And that's when he has that great line of just like <laughs> you, you said it earlier. Yeah. What? Why am I so fucking fat? Yeah. Why? Why, why am I so fucking fat? If you're so quote unquote fucking fat. Yeah. Why'd you pick this challenge? <laughs> oh, whatever. So they get to the ends. Each of them are at the end, and stupid ass Gavin decides yeah. to jump in to the water into the uh, what is that the uh, <laughs> the North Sea, the North which is very cold. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's the summertime, really cold. And so then uh, everyone's worried about Gavin, but then I mean. The count doesn't want to lose, so I love it. He just goes a wop a boo lop a lop bam boom. Yeah, the tutti frutti <laughs> lands in the water. Yeah, boom. Next scene is cut, both of them yeah. in. Cut to the visual gag of uh, <laughs> yeah, the count arm injured and like a black eye. Yeah, uh, on the air in the studio. Yeah, apologizing to Gavin. He was terribly wrong. Gavin apologizes to Simon, and then when Gavin gets up, we see that he's injured as well, and it was like his foot, his leg. So <laughs> We would have played that clip, but honestly, it's more visual. Than... It's much more visual. Than... Just check this film out, because that's definitely a great clip. So, you mentioned this before, Kyle. Uh, I do want to get into the uh, Kenneth Branagh angle. What did you think of the whole side plot? I mean, we need it, obviously, but what do you think of the whole side plot of of the government um, trying to shut them down, or, like, everything that was going on there? I, I mean, since that was a real thing, it was a, it was good as, like, the antagonistic, like, plot of the film. Uh, so, I mean, and those scenes are very, like, they're never long. They're very brief. And they're just having... Kenneth Branagh, he's just having a fun time, and then uh, uh, the guy, Twat, played by Commandant Norrington. Commodore <laughs> Norrington, and also in another Philip Seymour Hoffman film. Another pirate movie. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> we should say that, yes. Not, Philip Seymour Hoffman was not in Pirates of the Caribbean, but Commodore Norrington is in a pirate film. This is called Pirate Radio, yes. so we might get confused there. But I'm thinking, I was thinking of him more in Tales than Mr. Ripley yes. with Philip Seymour Hoffman. They, they have a good dynamic there. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so he's acted with Hoffman before, but they never, unfortunately, have a scene together, nor do Kenneth Branagh and Philip Seymour Hoffman have a scene together. No, I kind of thought that maybe uh, Twat, because he calls in at the end and tells... Uh, What's Brana's name? I just Sir like Alistair. Sir Alistair, okay. Yeah. So who's a cabinet official tasked yeah. with like shutting down pirate radio? But uh, coming up, Norrington. We'll just call him that. No, Twat calls uh, <laughs> Sir Alistair at the end, and 
you know, says like when the when the boat's sinking that he wants to go out and uh he's gonna send boats out to help him and uh Alistair's like no, like, you know, everyone dies at some point. I thought that uh Twat and there's actually a little moment on like the good juxtaposition of the Christmas parties when the boat's celebrating and Alistair and his fa- wife, daughter and uh Twat is over that I thought like Twat and uh uh, Alistair's daughter was maybe gonna like end, end up together, and they were gonna be on like one of the boats saving them. And Kyle, you're not just saying twat to say it. That is the character's name. No, it's made like a heavy. Like he's like, oh, that's an interesting name. It's like two T's at the end. <laughs> and his assistant is Mrs. C. Yes. And we've discussed this because we both read in trivia that her original name was Ms. Clit. I'm not saying that on the air. That just feels a little bit. Well, I'm, that's why I'm much more like Phyllis and Rob. <laughs> yes, but. you are. I mean, look, like it's an actual thing, but it's not Miss Clitoris. Have you? It's Miss Clit. It? No, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> but uh, M- Miss Clit, and that's not apparently it's in the British version. It's uh-huh. not in the American version. This is what's confusing me about this angle. Like, this is the probably the most cartoony angle of the entire film. Yeah, I wish they stuck. If they were going to pick a side, I wish they stuck more with this stylized side, as silly as it is, more than, I don't know. It, yeah, well, it kind of goes that, back. That and would forth. be really ridiculous, though. Like even just like I don't know, twat sounds more like a last name than Cliff. It's silly, yes, it's <laughs> silly, but they don't have that. Um, the tone is just weird for this, and these characters never encounter each other. Um, but. These guys are basically out to get him. Just kind of setting setting the tone for later. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't find a law that'll can circumvent and make this these pirate radio stations and play this rock and roll, which they refer to as pornography. Um, they can't find a way to shut them down yeah. until again, eventually they do. Which I guess the closest they get to, you know, because they're calling it pornography. Uh, and it was the last thing we spoke of Carl is that he gets to have an, a night with Marianne and when uh, well that's just, that's just I mean I said it to you when we were watching it that that's just how I imagine like all British sex they're just like, <laughs> we, we find out like they're in bed together in the bunk and just like they're pale skin and he says want a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tea in this film a lot of tea in this film so he goes out to that's Carl goes to get some tea for Marianne and when he steps out uh, the whole crew is waiting there, and the count is, you know, uh, on the radio saying, and now, you know, he's lost his uh, cherry. So let's let's play this little, just a little, little fun clip for you. And yes, ladies and gentlemen of Great Britain, Carl has emerged from the Chamber of Love. Carl, say hello to the 20 million people who've been waiting with bated breath to hear the news whether or not you have indeed misplaced your crucial cherry tonight. I think that's a yes. Is that a yes? And remember the reply, I don't want to answer that question, means yes. I'm certainly not going to answer that question. Houston! This news flash: A nice young man has lost his virginity in the North Sea. So yeah, I mean, if anything, I mean, the, the government calling it pornography. I guess technically, I mean, they weren't, you know, playing them. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just the description Making afterwards. Love, no. And I, the, the the actually the most fun thing about that is then uh, Felicity, the lesbian chef. Uh, ends up having relations with uh, Marianne's friend that comes along with her. So good for one of the lonely hearts getting somebody. 
I know, uh, look, they, they, they kind of, like, mock the lesbian thing in the film, but it is a little bit progressive. I'm happy they have, like, an LGBT character here who, yeah, who, who is respected and gets some, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, I mean, I mean... She has an arc, in a, a small arc, but she has an arc. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. Uh, again, funny scene. Anytime Hoffman's on the radio like that, it's, it's just, it, it feels so natural. And he's just, like, happy for Carl, you know? Like, as a... As a as yeah, a, they're doing it not ca- to poke fun at him. No. They, they do poke fun at a lot of other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing because, they're, again, they're happy for him. It's not dissimilar to the, again, almost famous no, losing plays... virginity scene. Wow. A lot of... And that character doesn't have a father. Yeah, that's what we said earlier. A lot of this... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of almost famous similarities here. Regardless, yeah, I mean, again, the character doesn't have a father, so I mean, yeah, the, he just has. I feel like just a lot of people take up the role of like almost like a paternal role to him. And again, that's like the that like silly theme kind of thing in this film. It's like, oh, you know, not anyone can be your dad, but kind of. Yeah, I mean, there's only it really could only be. Quentin. No, I mean, or, like, the all these people kind of become, like, surrogate oh, fathers yeah. to him, like, on a different level. Uh, but, I mean, you're segueing kind of great into that. We do want to tie in the father thing. So there's this other guy on the radio station. Bob. Bob, yes. Who no one's seen for <laughs> the months. The beast with a beard. <laughs> he does, what is it, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift? Yeah, again, great character introduction. Our crew is just having, uh, you know, I think some breakfast or some dinner together, probably dinner. And all of a sudden this uh almost looks like Tommy Chong and like you know, <laughs> like that 70s show kind of thing. Just long long hair, beard, and walks in and everyone just kinda of quiets down, has no idea who he is. And you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman asks the count asks him, he's like, I'm I'm Bob, you know, yeah, I fill in the, the early Early, early morning. <laughs> so it's a great character introduction. Like I was like, this is like a funny element of this film. Yeah, it's just I like I don't know comedies, even from like <laughs> as stupid as, as comedies is. But like, dude, where's my car? Has that character that just like is in the closet comes out and you know. <laughs> yeah, or even I was thinking of like half baked. Yeah, half baked. Like with the guy yeah. on the couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's. You can get me. There's two things that I'm like susceptible to in terms with comedy that people view might be like lowbrow, like kind of tropes like this mm-hmm. in terms of like that those stock little silly characters here yeah. and there, token characters, if you will. I know it's silly, but sometimes I really get a huge kick out of them. And just a uh, comedy of error situations, like Three's Company kind of situations, yeah. are just always hilarious to me. Three's Company's on, and I'm cracking up on the couch. <laughs> no, I mean that's when all of them are when the government finally like has them by the balls, and Quentin says that uh, they have to close down, and we get the count saying that he's not going to leave, and there's an I am Spartacus kind of like you know everyone kind of yeah. gets up and oh says, my god, I'm not leaving, but I love like the you know like uh, Midnight Mike. Just like you know, because the whole thing is like he doesn't talk, says very little words. He just kind of gets up, lights a cigarette, and then you cut to Quentin like giving a nod to him. <laughs> it's just that great. I little, love, those yeah. are those are the again. That's but like I, my. I wish this movie had more of that or stayed with that tone. Yeah, it's a little uneven in that way. But again, I'm not trying to diss it because I did have fun watching it. I didn't. I'll probably see this movie again. I I know I've said this a lot on this podcast. I know the exact people who I would want to watch this movie with yeah. or recommend it to. You being one of them, but you've seen it, obviously. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it with you anytime. <laughs> uh, another character I want to get into quickly because she does have a brief moment is uh, Emma Thompson. 
Yes. Who is, plays uh, Carl's mother. I like could have sworn she was in a movie with him. But no, but we looked not. it up yeah. and they'd never been in a film together. Yeah. They seem like people who would act together for sure. She's just, again, I feel like every episode now, I'm just like another woman that I would love to talk about on a, like do a podcast. She's for. had a great career. I mean, also Love Actually. So yeah. she's been in uh, films with this director yeah. and Bill Nye, though I don't believe they share a scene together in that. No. No. <laughs> but she was in Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So. One of your favorite films of all time. Top five, you said. <laughs> not at all. It's not, even, it's not even the best of the Danny DeVito Arnold Schwarzenegger combo. Twins? That's the best, yeah. Twins is better than Junior. Just yes. For the record. Okay. Twins is better than Junior. <laughs> so uh, she comes on the boat just to visit for Boxing Day. Yeah. yeah please, because you looked it up. I mean, I. I yeah, and I asked some friends from the other side of the pond, actually, while we were watching this movie. Oh, we have uh, some audio from them right now. <laughs> Hello. No, no. no that's, <laughs> that, that was just me, ladies and gentlemen. I know that was very... Ooh, ooh, deceived us. Yes. So, if you're listening abroad, thank you, but we in the United States had no idea what Boxing Day really... I mean, we see it on certain calendars. <laughs> in Commonwealth countries, they celebrate oh. it. A Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. Uh, where you also kind of celebrate. Originally, I believe it... I looked this up. I believe it was for people who had to work on Christmas. Okay. But it's kind of like a continuation of the Christmas celebration. So the big thing for Boxing Day are these things called crackers. Uh, It's like a tube. You open it up and it kind of pops. And you get like a little toy, a joke, and a paper hat for you to wear, which is like a crown or something like that. So Kyle, you asked like why... I've seen this in other films. Why are they doing these crowns? So I looked it up. I did a deep dive. I asked some friends. That's what it is. Um, and so Emma Thompson, uh, Carl's mother, comes for this like Boxing Day celebration, and I I love her character in this. She's just again she like wears that wardrobe so well. She's like so chic, and I love mod. Every- you know, yeah, I think I- that's the word for it, mod. Mm. The mod look. Yes, she's got that beautiful coat. She's know? just a spectacular, just like a just I don't know. Which is fantastic. So she comes on board, right? And, like, she has great conversations. And the first thing Carl asks her is, like, I- is Quentin my dad? Yeah. And she's like, no. No? Like, no, that's not. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of put to the side. And then they just enjoy Boxing Day together. And I love all the guys on the ship are just like, you got a hot mom. You know, like, yeah. Any, any, any group of friends will just, yeah, that's always come up. Um... <laughs> And the, so you have a uh, Bob mention. Oh, your mom's on board, or she's coming on board. Yeah, he's like uh, mention that the what is it? The muddy water rocks. Muddy water rocks. Yeah, muddy water rocks. And if you guys don't know who Muddy Waters is, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she's leaving like a day after. He subtly mentions it to her, and he's like, "Oh, Bob," and she like knows him. He's like, "Oh, you know Bob?" And he's like, "Did you sleep with him?" Yeah, she's like, "Oh, don't tell me." Like his beard, and she's just like, "Oh, when I knew him, he was clean shaven." And pretty much, she, and, I mean, she says to him, "Like, how old are you?" And he goes, <laughs> he's like, "Did you sleep with her?" He's like, "She's." He, did you sleep with him? She says, "Yes." He's like, "Oh, uh, how long ago?" He's like, "How old are you?" Yeah, and she just kind of she does this great, and she's she's someone that's a bit bird like. Yeah, and which is just I think nice to say for a uh, a bird, a British bird, a British bird, yes. Uh, and she decides to tell him after asking, "How old are you?" And he says, "18 and a half." And she's like, "I guess uh, 19 and a quarter, give or take." So that's we get our answer. 
Yeah, and he's he's his father. He's Carl's father, Bob, yeah. which is very weird, very random, but kind of awesome. This is probably my favorite part of the writing of this film. It, like this guy's the dad. When watching it the first time, and I knew, and then like when I knew that you're coming over and you're gonna watch, I was like, I wonder. Like it, this was like a, I like to me this was gonna be a make or break moment. For you. I could see that, and I could see some people being like, oh, that's so stupid, yeah. you know. But I liked it. I especially liked the element of like. That he goes to him and he's yeah. like, "Hey, you're my dad." And he kind—not that he doesn't care, he just doesn't know how to really react. Yeah, he's like, right, right on. I agree if they would have had like a moment, like, "Oh my god," like, and then he's like, "I'm gonna clean myself up and be the real true father yeah. in your life," then I'd be like, "This is so stupid." Now he's just like far gone into the music and the... yeah, music probably drugs, you know? Oh, they, definitely. Oh, definitely. Drugs, yeah. <laughs> Where it's just like it really doesn't matter <laughs> that he is his father, but uh, they have a good little arc and. We'll get to this a little bit later, like the sinking of the boat. That's also another scene that I like with the two of them. Yeah, the thing that just really drives like towards the you know the, the plot and the uh, coming to the conclusion of this film is that the maritime offense is passed. Oh yeah, that law finally yeah. Kenneth Branagh and his thing like that. And, and, and they, they they pass it. Be- yeah, and twat. Don't forget about twat. <laughs> they pass it because. Apparently there was like an, and it's pretty sounds pretty serious. There was like an issue where like a boat, another fishing boat, was sinking, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get their signal across because pirate radio. Uh, was, yeah, maybe it was rock radio here, or maybe it was another boat, kind uh, was interrupting their signal. So like people, it kind of implies that they died because yeah. of it, <laughs> which is not the worst reason to stop something. No, it's not the Death. worst, but also radio waves and there should be a designated like fisherman's radio wave or something. <laughs> emergency radio wave. Unfortunately, yeah, Quentin makes the announcement saying that they're going to have to end uh, you know, come the new year and they, you know, they just celebrated Christmas so we're talking like, you know, there's like a week left to enjoy pirate radio or radio rock and the laws passed and there's this great moment. Um, they have to end by New Year's Eve. But you mentioned it. They all decide. They all like raise their hands. Have a Spart- Spartacus moment, starting with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, they say no. We're we're going to keep yeah, this like, radio. I'm station an American. Going. I don't care about your limey laws. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, they and des- after my own heart. <laughs> so they decide to continue the radio station after New Year's. Yeah. What they do is well, they have this great moment, right? And, and, and Hoffman's on the air. Yeah. Well, the sorry, count the is count, doing the count is, the count is doing the countdown. Yes, and he just ends at midnight. So we'll play that for you. The end is nigh. We bid you farewell with dignity and pride. We thought we'd never die, but well, you can't fight City Hall. And so, take care. Be good. Listen to the music. It's a good thing to do. It's the count. Counting down and out for the count at last. Three, two, one. And the rest is silence. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Well done, Tony. Thank you, sir. The Queen. Her Majesty's Government. Let's rock! So 
obviously the police boats go after them eventually, but they've moved their location. Yeah, they decide to set sail. Quentin has the brilliant idea since they've been anchored this whole time. <laughs> so uh, that's a good moment, too, for our main man, like you said. But we, we get to this, this kind of big climax ending. I thought the ending was going to be like, oh, well, they continue the radio station anyway. Yeah. And then you'd have like a text like, oh, you know, they did it for this and that. And this is where I could see like, I wonder if like any of the ships ever like had problems and like sunk or something. This is where I could see like it maybe like losing a few people. Like, come on, like you're getting to a very like, you know, deus machina kind of <laughs> ship, ship sinking moment. But it's they set sail, but I guess uh, the boat is old and the engine uh, bursts and creates a giant hole in the side of the ship. So uh, yeah, the ship is the ship is sinking and it seems pretty doomed because the lifeboats are no use. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they're not they're not sailors here. They don't have no. everything up to code. And it, we kind of get our like Titanic moment here. The ship's sinking. Um, and what I love here, especially from this being the PS I love often podcast, is our guy Philip Zimmer Hoffman decides to go down with the ship. Yeah, he might not be like the captain, but he is the captain of like the radio. He considers, yeah, he considers himself the captain. He's the captain of the high audio waves. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like, uh, you know, they're all trying to, they, they send a distress signal. They're seeing like if anyone can help them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we get our, uh, we both thought the same thing when we saw this, but. No. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, to jump a little ahead to like the, uh, you know, the, the heroic moment is that, I mean, they're, they all think they're doomed. And then I think it's Simon actually first sees them or whatever. But he's like, a ship. It's like, and then he's like, another ship. And they're like, two ships, three ships. He's like, all of them. And it's a very, and it doesn't help that Kenneth Brown is also in that movie as well, but it's very Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that, like, they were thinking that when they did it. Yeah. Know? Like, obviously, Dunkirk's a true story. It's not, <laughs> but, uh, because it's a very Dunkirk moment. I don't, I'm pretty What's sure this did not happen. What's a more important, like, period in history? Dunkirk, or just like you know, the pirate rate, what they were doing for you know, music. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, you can't really <laughs> weigh the odds yeah, of the historical of the... errors, but yes, no, in terms of like what's, yes, of course, World War II moment, bigger deal than the saving of rock and roll music, but not so some. What's more influential in your life, freedom or rock and roll music? Well, without freedom, there wouldn't be rock and roll, so and without rock and roll, there wouldn't be freedom. Wow. No, I'm kidding. No, that's not, that is not true. Probably, <laughs> jazz was fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's this Dunkirk moment. All their fans and come mm-hmm. rescue them. But Hoffman still decides to go down with that ship. Yeah, the Count. And Bob almost went down with the ship because he was just listening to some new tunes. I do actually like this scene. It's more of like the surrealistic because moment. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy too, which you really loved. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is funny because they use the same yeah father, exact father song. and son. I'm sure they didn't see this movie. Like, oh, I'm inspired. But... No, yeah, I don't think James Gunn was just like. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Basically, they realize Bob, especially Carl, realizes yeah. Bob, his father, is like still stuck down in the ship. He goes and like tries to rescue him, but he <laughs> he has this collection of albums that he doesn't want to leave. That's yeah. like apparently heavy, and, so mi- he f- and he doesn't mind the hole. Yeah, he doesn't mind the hole, and he doesn't mind the hole. He yeah. falls like a couple 
not stories, but I guess... Floats down, like, yeah. Yeah, floats down more. levels of the ship. And essentially, in this poetic Cat Stevens, not montage, but, like, uh, musical moment, he has to rescue his father, Carl, and he swims down, and he convinces them to leave the record album so Mm -hmm. he can save them. But see, that to me, I like that one, because that's just, like, a funny moment. It's, like, a serious scene, but it's made funny. Is it a little corny? Yeah, but, like, that's... If they kept with that tone, I don't think it would be as corny. Yeah, and then Bob and Bob just has like you know he's able to. Agree, uh, I couldn't actually tell what record it was. Uh, I'm sure someone that knows like the artwork for covers would be able to tell easier. But uh, he's just like he was able to grab his hand and like you know grab one vinyl, and he just has this like goofy like grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but they get up and everyone's out, and as we said, they're all getting saved. And I love it. just like just like we have so many great characters. They all have like their own little like groupies that come out on boats, and you have these group of nurses for Midnight Mike. Even someone's there for Angus, which you know Angus is like their whipping boy, Reese Darby's character. Uh, Quentin is on like kind of this. Oh you no, know, it's uh, Gavin's even on this like yacht with like, some <laughs> people. Uh, it's just everyone's. It's oh, si- and then S- Simon's the best one because then he, you know Simon had his heart broken and he's pulled up onto this boat and there's this young lady that has written Simon across her chest <laughs> and he just goes in that ador- in his adorable Irish accent like my name is on your boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're all rescued by particular groups and Mar- of fans. And Marianne is there for uh, Carl. Carl, Carl, but the sh- but for our guy, the ship is still going down. Yeah, um, but he has this little heroic, I guess. It's almost like a like a I don't know, like a, a mar- you know, like an animal, like a a dolphin or a whale, like coming out of the water. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's what I wrote in my notes. It reminded me of like a humpback whale, like breaching. Like, yeah, you know, breach. Like, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> Like it, he just like spurts up and he's rescued, yeah, and saved, and so nobody actually dies. He says rock and roll, and everyone he says rock and roll, and everyone shares rock and rock roll. and roll. So a nice, a nice positive ending, and we end the same way that we begin with kind of like facts, but this part pisses me off again. Mm-hmm. It just as like a, like you mentioned before, oh, one year essentially passed in this yeah. whole. It's like okay, why are you playing songs from the seventies? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's a lot of. I didn't see any songs. I just, I looked at the whole soundtrack, and there was a, a decent amount. I'd say at least like, I mean, there's so many songs in this movie. It's huge. It's Which like, there should be. This is yeah. a rock movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of fun mon- montages where they just use like snippets. Like, I wonder how that works as far as. I think if you only use X amount of seconds of songs, you don't have to like play, pay as much. No, but they're going to pay the full amount because if you want to release a soundtrack. Oh, uh, that's a good point. So the, this is like a Hollywood film. So yeah. okay. it did lose money, by the way. Fifty million dollar budget made only thirty million, so it was considered a a pretty big flop. Mm. Not that it had a huge budget, but that's sad. But it's not a movie that a lot of people, honestly, frankly, know or saw. Did did okay in the UK doesn't have a great reputation there from what I read and that's why I agreed to start this podcast (laughs) (laughs) everyone needs to see Pirate Radio or the alternate title one of the many The Boat That Rocked The Boat That Rocked yes (laughs) (laughs) so uh, that's that's kind of our ending yeah it even says this movie says the end so the end the end so after discussing it after watching it twice today (laughs) 
You still endorse it? You still recommend it to our Hoff fans? Yes, and I will 100% agree. And I can't say exactly per se. Like, I agree with you. Sure, it could be like a bit more style. style. Or the other way. I'm totally cool with more of a documentary, more uh, honest approach. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, there's just something here. It's just missing. It just has the potential for greatness. And it's sad that that wasn't achieved, but I will never, like, you know, if, if someone said, like, oh, want to watch Pirate Radio, like, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's put it on. So, it's just a fun soundtrack. Uh, you know, you guys tell, tell us, like, maybe maybe they didn't market the, uh, this uh, film well, so obviously we, we posted, uh, we always do Trailer Tuesday, so watch the trailer and let us know uh, if maybe the trailer didn't, you know, and if you've seen this film already, then or watch the. This film. is a niche film. I think we're going to get a lot of positive responses because I think there are a lot of people who like this film, music lovers, I hope so. and general people like that. I saw again a lot of the critical response was that it wasn't like accurate to the period, whatever. But it is it is a fun film. It just doesn't come across as a film that's really trying to like portray like since it's not like a serious film. So like yeah, but then why like, say the exact years? Yeah, you know, um, if you're gonna. Tell me, is this a top ten Philip Seymour Hoffman film? No, it's not a top ten performance of his. It's not a top ten film of his, in my mind. No, no, I'm, I'm not. It's not, and like, if someone's like, give me the five movies to recommend Philip Seymour Hoffman, or even the ten movies, it's not there. But it's not a waste of time. No, I his performance in this is just very. Again, I, lo- I love like a mentor role for him. He's got gets to show his comedic chops a bit, and then uh, just as far as someone that loves music and someone that loves the music of that era, I think he does, like, a just job of, you know, just make it, making that music, like, and how, and how great it is. He's a character you love. He fits well in this good ensemble. He represents the USA. Except, yeah. Per, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty Mo- well. This movie is just, just like, like, almost, like, you know, like, Hangman, you're drawing, like, a little piece after piece, like, of, like, it's just, like, just every little thing trying to make the figure of Kyle. Yeah, we're we're, we're checking the boxes and the yeah. things you enjoy most about movies. Yep. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm I'm glad I saw it. It's definitely a movie. Again, like I said, I recommend it to certain people I know. Um, what do we have next week, by the way? Next week is a very small role for him, uh, but it's a. Uh... It's it it's gonna be an interesting movie to talk about the invention of lying. You've seen it? Yes. I've never seen it. Um, there's a lot of these later ones I haven't seen. We're trying to get a guest on for that one, but we, it might just be us again. Who knows? Yeah, we've um, had a little streak of us, but I'm I'm liking it. I was, yeah, I, we're, I was we're, happy to watch it with you, Brian. <laughs> yes, a little bro bro time for a, yeah for a, a bro movie. We I guess went on a boat on the Hudson. That would have been nice. A little nice romantic bro cruise. <laughs> no, but uh, again, I would recommend this movie and this episode and all our other episodes you can find on cageclub.me, cageclub.me. A lot of good shows coming up. As we teased, we're doing a lot of guest spots. Finally, they've uh, they've uh, kind of accepted us into the Cage Club family over there at cageclub.me. And, I feel uh, like you're a bit more accepted. I just feel like, what's the, uh, I don't know. The black sheep of the Cage Club family. No, that's like that is <laughs> that's that is not true. You're as loved as I am over there. I just think you're more of a rebel. You're more of a 
you, you don't play the game as rock well. and roll, baby. Rock and roll, exactly. I'm the jazz, and you're the rock and roll. <laughs> Even though jazz is rebellious for its time too. First time too, yeah. Well, you can hear that on our music podcast. Mm-hmm. No. We don't have that, I wish. Um, <laughs> again, thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Tune in next week for sure. Like, listen, follow, share, comment. We'll probably read the comments either next week or the, or the week after. We've gotten some good comments. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian and Kyle reminding you to say, stay on cool. Stay on cool, huh, fans. Thanks so much. Where did you come from, baby? Thank you. I believe in miracles.